Welcome to Kingdom Life Embassy. We're so glad you chose to tune in to another power-packed message by Dr. Maxwell Holland. If you are enjoying these podcasts, then connect with him on Facebook at Maxwell Holland. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Father, we come before you. We thank you for today. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your spirit is here. Thank you, Holy Ghost, that you will speak, minister, and do what needs to be done in this house this morning. I decrease now. As you increase in this house. Come and have your will and have your way, Father. Use me today, Father. I submit myself fully to you. For you to use me, Lord. To say what you need to say. And to do what you need to do. I put my trust and my faith in you this morning. That what you will release in this house. Is a word in season. For Kingdom Life Embassy. And for every person sitting under the sound of my voice. Thank you that the demonstration of the word will go forth with power. And it will come into our destiny in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Let's get going. I can have that thing. I just have some water. Are you ready? I'm ready in Jesus' name. So I think... um, just in terms of where we're at as a ministry and as a church, I think it's important for us to be able to discern the times and the seasons that we're functioning within. Um, ever since uh, the book has been released, uh, Your Payday, um, the word, the clarity, the insight, the revelation that God has just been given has been phenomenal. Um, and I've been digging into the word. God hasn't been speaking anything else. Um, God's just been ministering to me personally, and I've been speaking to Apostle Max, lots of conversations, 30, 40 minute conversations that we've been having, just around the word and what God is saying, what's happening in this church, and it's so exciting. Sure, that was bad, but that's, if you don't want it, I'm taking yours also, but it's so exciting. It's, hear me, it's one of the most exciting seasons I've ever been in, in this ministry. To see what God is doing and what he's speaking, the word he's releasing, and how he's bringing absolute clarity. You know, there's, there's, there's a word that I, that, I, that I got in the beginning of the year that I've mentioned many times in the church, which is the measure of the word determines the depth of the harvest. And it's true. Because to the degree that you get the revelation of what the season is, to the degree, and revelation is what? Revelation is sight. Are you with me? It's really sad because something that is hidden is not revealed. Are you with me this morning? So if I reveal something, you see it. Are you with me? You, it was always in my pocket. It wasn't that it wasn't there. Are you with me? But just because I revealed it, now you see it. So Jesus, God says to Jeremiah, the prophet, he says, now that you've seen well, I can perform my word. So when God is dealing with the word the way that he is in the season, it's so what? So that we can see well. So we can see it the way that God sees it so that we can possess what needs to be possessed. Amen. I'm going to read a scripture this morning. So that you don't say I was doing my own thing here. When Apostle Max asked what's happened this morning. I wasn't preaching out of the book of Brian. And saying my own thing. In Joshua chapter 5, verse 1 to 12, in the New King James. 
Joshua 5, verse 1 to 12. So it was when all the, king of the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At the time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons at the heel of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all of the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way. And they had come out after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. To whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which he has sworn to their fathers and that he would give us. A land flowing with milk and money. Then Joshua circumcised their sons and he raised up, raised up in the, whom he raised up in their place. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people, that's a lot. They stayed there, they, that they stayed in their places in the camp. Till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Thus they have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. Sorry. Praise the Lord. That's Apostle sending a message. <laughs> Thank you, Apostle. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Whew. I sent him a message. I'm like, yo, I tried to phone him at one o'clock. I'm please answer your phone. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm like, what do I do now? Huh? Thank you. Hey. I love my dad very much. I want to tell you that I honor you. I love you so, so much. Thank you for the sacrifices that you've made. I honor the grace upon your life. I'm so grateful that I get to walk next to you and I get to experience what God is doing in and through your life. The ability and the honor and the privilege that God has given me to walk so close to you has allowed me to tap into what's on you. So this morning I know God's going to do what He needs to do. Not because of me, but because I'm submitted in this house. That what's on your life will flow through me today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. I just want to stop there quickly. Remember when Prophetess Ilsa was here? And she, and she turned the service upside down, inside out. You know what I'm saying? And it was a powerful moment. And after the service, the Lord said, This is what took place that day. It was a fresh circumcision of the hearts of the people to the house of God and to the man of God. And this day, this day, I've rolled away the reproach from this house. That there'll be no more shame. There'll be no more shame. From today, I'm establishing this house the way that it must be. Because she came to set things right by what she said. Prophetically, she came to declare and she came to establish what God was speaking, saying that Moses, my servant, is... 
it's time for the people to function in the anointing that Joshua functioned in order to go in and possess what God has assigned to us. And that for me, when after service, this is what took place in the service today. Today I'm rolling away the reproach. Where there was shame, where you were hidden, you will no more be hidden and there will no more be shame. Amen. Verse 10 says, Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after, on the, day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Listen. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Look at your neighbor and say, there's no more manna. Look at your other neighbor and say, there's no more manna. So just to break it down a little bit and to give context to what I'm sharing this morning, we know that, uh, I mean, it's the, one of the most famous, I don't want to say stories, but historical recordings in the Bible dealing with Egypt, the wilderness, and the promised land. Amen? We all know about it. How they were in bondage for 430 years in Egypt, enslaved, in bondage. And the enemy keeps them in a place of where they cannot produce. There's no flow. Everything about your life is dictated to you. You have no choices. Choices taken away and removed. But you're stuck in a place where the enemy is ruling over your life. God comes to the point where the Israelites are crying out. And, and, and God says, today this is not going to happen anymore. I'm coming to deliver my people. Calls a man called Moses and gets them supernaturally taken out of Egypt and put into the wilderness. Supernaturally. Total deliverance. Nothing required from them but just to hear and do. Nothing. It's the same when you receive your salvation. You see, the Bible says that you don't even know you're operating under the sway of the evil one. But the day you chose Christ is the day you receive complete deliverance. Into the finished work of Christ, hear me. Into the finished work. The Bible says that when they left, none were feeble. None were sick. Hear me. They had no medical aid. They had no hospital. If you were sick and you died, you died. We just get the next one in. Your child comes in and fulfills what you were doing. Are you with me? They didn't care about their well-being. So there were people that were, most probably had damaged limbs. Or their bodies weren't even functioning correctly because of the diet that they were eating. They were old. They were standing in the sun each and every day. Uh, even before they left, Pharaoh made their labor even worse. The Bible says that when they left, none were feeble. Bodies completely restored. Supernatural health and healing their portion. The Bible says they stripped the Egyptians, stripped the nation of its wealth. They were completely prosperous, healthy, whole. Hear me, you can have money and sickness and you still ain't prospering. But if you got both, that's a whole nother level. Are you with me? They were healthy and whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Families restored, out of bondage, taken out supernaturally through the Red Sea. And then God destroys the enemy. It was the enemy that you see today, you will see no more. God destroys the enemy, brings them out, and takes them into the wilderness. Supernaturally. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. It says, blessed be God. And Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, 
Not some. Every. Say every. Spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That means the day I get saved, every promise in the word of God, which is now made yes and amen in Christ, is now my portion. There's no gap, there's no distance, it's today. The day I said yes to Jesus, he came to live on the inside of me and my prosperity, my health, the wisdom, the insight, the understanding, the wealth, everything that I could need to fulfill this life in this earth was given to me in one act of obedience, in one act of faith, just receiving what he had already done on the cross. Are you with me? But why do so few manifest it? Because the problem is not what Christ has done. The problem is the generational perspective that we carry from the bondage that we were in. You see, because in, in Egypt, there's an enemy enforcing his oppression on you. But in the wilderness, it's the enemy that God has to get rid of inside of you. You see, God has to work out what's in you that is coming from the place of bondage. Are you understanding me this morning? Because what you have to, just think about it. It's generation to generation. There's so many youth that I speak to that I'm counseling with or that I connect with. And what they don't even realize is that their mindset was predetermined because of what generations before them did. They're living under something, born again, wanting to serve God, but not able to progress because they don't understand. And I'm, I'm not trying to speak about iniquitous patterns of generational curse and all that kind of stuff in your life. What I'm saying is that if we're unaware, if we don't know, if you don't know that you don't know, you're in trouble. But if you get saved and you think that you know, you ain't going to make it. You can be saved. God can love you. But whether you come into the fullness of what he has for you is a whole nother question. In, uh, let's go to Numbers chapter 14. Let me prove it to you in scripture. Numbers chapter 14 and Numbers chapter 13, which precedes this chapter, we see how the children of Israel were, they came to a place, uh, Kadesh Barnea, it's on the verge of the promised land. So they come out of Egypt. Let's understand context. They come out of Egypt, supernaturally delivered. Two years, God takes them to journey, an 11-day journey. Because God knows they're not ready. Two years, they journey from point A to point B to this point where they were in Numbers chapter 13. In the interim, God delivers the revelation, the Ten Commandments. God delivers the revelation of the tabernacle and how to build the tabernacle. God sets that in place on Mount Sinai in their journey towards the promised land. So they have the temple. Amen. They have the temple and they have the word. They have the presence of God. They're being led by a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke. They go in, they send in the 12, they go inspire the land, they come back, they say this land is amazing. Like, it's flowing. You with me? They say this place is loaded. It's like next level blessing. But the people who are there are bigger than us. And the people who are there are mightier than us. 
So therefore, we are scared. We are fearful of entering into what God has promised us. We are lacking faith to possess what God has assigned to us because we don't see ourselves properly. We see ourselves as grasshoppers in their sight, and so we were in theirs. That's what they say in Numbers chapter 13. And Numbers chapter 14 verse 1 says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And they say, there's no complainers in this house. Oh, those that are quiet, let Jesus deliver you. There's no complainers in this house. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. 430 years of slavery. 430 years of slavery. And God takes you into the place. They come with evidence. The fruit must have been massive to carry one cluster of grapes between two people. We must use our imagination. It must have been massive. Me and him carrying one, one cluster of grapes between the two of us in a pole. You know what I'm saying? There wasn't a little... You know what I'm saying? Your seedless that you buy at Woolies. It must have been like one grape is this size. Are you with me? That's the fertility of the land that God is giving you. God is saying whatever you put in here is going to grow supernaturally. Next level kind of fruit. They experience it. They come on with, I'm sure they ate of it. You know what I'm saying? I would have, I would have had one if I was the guy carrying. You know what I'm saying? So they experience it, yet they come back. And because of how they saw themselves, because of what was set inside of them in the time of bondage, they could not in their minds perceive that this was for me. They disqualified themselves. They disqualified themselves. So, so they found in a place where here is this, this produce, this land, this this place that we can go in that's really flowing like the Lord has promised. And we're in a dry place right now. But this place over here is, at least we had leeks and onions. Who the heck wants to eat leeks and onions? You know what I'm saying? you got a grape the size of a watermelon or a leek and an onion. Like, come on. I say, no, let's rather select a leader and go back here. You see, many people get saved, but they go back to their old lifestyles because they can't see what's coming in the new. And so when God takes you into a place of process, we refute the process for God to deal with the things that's on the inside of you in order for you to be ready to get what's for you and you find yourself wanting to go back to bondage and eventually come to the place where you say, that pastor talks nonsense. Why? You want another leader to take you where you want to go. You see, the wilderness is necessary. We've always made it like, you know, this, nobody wants it. <laughs> it's not the nicest. But the thing that's not nice about it is the fact that God is to deal with the things that's not nice in you. You see, when, when the Bible says that Jesus was, was taken, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. 
Jesus is a different situation. But the reality is that you can only be tempted with something that's inside of you. I can't tempt you with something that's outside of who you are. Are you with me? So if I never ever liked sweets and chocolates, Lord help me. If I never ever did, and Bradley never helped us, congratulations on their wedding. Miss Brand new couple. Bradley never helped us at all with the sweets and stuff at the thing. I was like, yo, Jesus, help me. But if I never ever liked sweets, I wouldn't have an issue at his wedding. Because I cannot be tempted to do that thing because it's got no hold inside of me. There's no hook in me for that thing. Are you understanding me? So when God takes you into the wilderness, it's not the nicest experience. Why? Because we have to deal with us. You have to deal with you. You look at yourself in the mirror. Hear me, there is no devil in the, in the wilderness. You know what I'm saying? It's only your personal fight because there's no value in the wilderness. What's there? Who wants to take the wilderness from you? <laughs> so you're blaming the devil, but the reality is it's you. It's tight, but it's right. We're blaming the devil for what's taking place in our lives. Because we don't want to be in the process that God is taking us through. We want an out and God's saying, no, you must stay in. So I can finish what I've begun in you. But we're shouting for deliverance and God is saying, no, 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 sit down. I need to develop you. You need to listen. You see, in the, in, in the wilderness, all they had was the temple. If you go and read in Numbers, how they counted the people and how they told the people even to sit down and surround the tabernacle, it shows, they say, that if you had to take a topographical picture of them in the wilderness, you would see a cross. Because some of them had to be, be found east. I don't know where's east, don't worry. Some east, some north, some south, and some west. These tribes must be positioned here. These tribes must be positioned north. These tribes must be positioned west. These tribes, da, da, da. and because of the of the amount of the one tribe, it meant that the, the south or the north, whichever one it would be, would be longer because there was more people. But they had to set their faces, their sight, their lives was built around the temple. Everything. And you had to know that if that fire moves, everybody gets up. You take out your tent pegs, pack up your tent, the priests pack up the tabernacle, and they move in the direction that God is moving. And when it stops, you sit down and you stop. And you set up your stuff. Are you with me? You see, if you try to bypass the temple in your process, you don't qualify for the promise in the next season. God gives you the temple. He gives it to you for three reasons. Number one is to set your affection on the house. He gives it to you to set your affection on the house. Hear me. They had nothing else. There was no value in that place. There was nothing. There was nothing there. Think about it. who wants to buy sand. At least you're going to build a casino. You know what I'm saying? Like Las Vegas said. They can stay there. But there's no value. There's no value in that place. There isn't. That's why the enemy didn't even come to attack them for anything. Because there's nothing. So when you come into the wilderness... God turns your affection to the house of God. You get born again, it is your temple to teach you in the temple and to set your affection to where it must be. Are you with me? He says that, he says that in Haggai, he says, your, your house is laying in ruins because you've left mine in ruins. Why? Because me first, God is saying. You focus on me first. You do for me first. 
Are you understanding me this morning? God is saying, I'm giving you this moment and this opportunity. I'm allowing you into the space of my temple. Why? So I can teach you. So I can set your priorities straight. That's why you will seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Why? Set your priority and your affection straight. That's why he even caused them to encamp the way that he did. Hear me, they came out with so much money. So much gold and silver. From an entire nation. Think about it. The, okay, maybe not the wealth of South Africa. The wealth of the states. You come out with all that wealth in one day. Every person transfers their personal bank amounts. All their bank balances transfer to you. The wealth of the reserve bank in there transferred to you. All the gold, the silver, everything of value, God says now belongs to this people. Finish, done. One night, crack. But he puts you in the wilderness. <laughs> and then he says, now I want to build my temple. Here's the vision of what I'm going to do in this place, in your life, in the process that I'm putting you in. I'm putting you in this place. I'm going to let you build this place, but only give willingly. If their hearts are not connected to me, I don't want you. Why? It's to set your affections properly. It's to say, man, I need to build the house of God. I'm coming to set my affection on what the things that's important to God. I'm going to set my heart to those things. If God gives them a physical thing to attach their heart to, why? To say, put me first in everything that you do. So he says, even though you load it, blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, it's not for there, it's for here first. It's me first. It's the temple first. There was no trade in the wilderness. They didn't, there was no business taking place. There was no markets. There was nothing. Are you with me? Some people even find themselves in seasons. You get retrenched. The company closes down. Things just don't work out. Are you with me? And you find yourself in a place thinking, now what? What now? What? I didn't serve you, God. I'm serving you. Uh, when, I, when I was working in television, I was sharing with somebody else last night. I, I had shares in the one company that was producing pop stars. And I was working in another, another company that uh, when I said I'm resigning, they took out the papers and said, this is what we were going to offer you. It's shares in this company. This is what we had for you. This is what we assigned to you. You got shares in that company. We're giving you shares in this company as well. We want you to stay. I said, I can't stay. I need to go. I leave. Are you with me? I leave. I take, get involved in a business deal. We lose 1.2 million rand, me and a partner. Gone. I'm like, okay, but now Jesus. Where's the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and add no toil? Where, where's the word that says I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing? Where's, where's the word that says we're like Abraham, you use wealthy? Where, where, where's that one? I thought you were a good God. You know what I'm saying? No. The Lord is saying that I'm putting you in a process to work you. Because when that happened, I said to the Lord, must I go back to go work? The Lord said, no, you stay in this place and you serve this man. That's all he said. He said, you stay here, you serve this man. I had no idea what God wanted to do through my life. I, I didn't have anything or a clue. I only had a word. The Lord said, you stay in this place and you build here with this man. That's it. And I couldn't go back. God put me in a place of where there was no trade. Everything that I had, every form of knowledge I had, I did what? I took it to build the house of God. When we needed sound equipment, when we needed computers, when we needed technical information, all that stuff, all that information that I had from the place where I came from, I took it to build the house of God. And because I built the house of God, He built my house. He built my family, built my marriage, built my stuff. Why? Because I took care of 
his stuff first. So in the season that you're in, hear me, it's not a season to disconnect from the temple. It's a season to connect with the temple. It's a season to make sure that take you, when you're in that place of transition and you're in that difficult place, when God is processing you, it's not a season to sit down and say, you know what, I need some time to think. No, get up. Find out how you can serve, how you can connect, how you can take what you have in the place that you're in and work it in the house of God. There's no increase in the wilderness. He gives you manna for the day. Every day you can only have, and he says, if you take more to keep for tomorrow, there's going to be worms and maggots in it by tomorrow. You won't be able to eat it anyway. So if you try to be greedy and take or increase, you can't increase in the, in the wilderness. You live in a tent. It's not like you can somehow make a pool. Because <laughs> you can make something now tomorrow, that cloud moves, my man. You get up and you move. You're obedient to the moving of the temple. The temple is determining your movement. When God is saying move, it's move. When God is saying go, it's go. When God is saying stay, it's stay. Are you with me? Everything was guided by the temple. Are you understanding me this morning? It says there's no increase. It even says their clothes didn't even wear and tear. Wouldn't that be a brand of note? Your clothes don't wear and tear. And as they grew, it grew with them. Their shoes never wore, no wear and tear. Their, their Nike can uh, kiss Nike goodbye. But nothing could happen like that. Imagine you were 15 years old, you had the Japaskuna, and when you come to 25, it grows with your foot and nothing wear and tear. <laughs> That's what happened in the wilderness. There was no increase. You know when it speaks about the, the water came from the rock? Sometimes what do we see? We see that little water feature that you got at home. That thing will never provide water for 1.5 million people. There must have been a lake in the wilderness. Are you with me? Why? God was saying, I'm not going to give you anything else. All you're going to do is put your affection in. You're going to learn to listen to me. You're going to learn to be obedient. You're going to learn to hear my voice so that you can function the way that I need to function. Why? Because as we read in Joshua chapter 5, it says, he, let me get that verse. I want to show you something. Go to Joshua chapter 5, verse 7. Joshua 5, verse 7. It says, Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place. You see, it's a capital H. Whom God raised up in their place. God uses the opportunity of the temple to raise up sons that can inherit the promise. You see, if you miss what God's doing in the temple, you disqualify for the promise. How do you disqualify for the promise? When you don't grow up. Your inheritance is linked to your maturity. Your inheritance is linked to, it's not your ability. It's got nothing else to do but your maturity. So if you're not walking in the promise yet, then you know you haven't matured yet. And here's the charge. In the season that we're in, God is moving on this world. Hear me. God is bringing people in to possess the mountains. And the promise, hear me, when you're dealing with the promise, the promise is not the things. 
then you're in the wrong state of mind. Then you must stay in the wilderness and still grow up. Are you understanding me? Because you can either choose comfort or you can choose to conquer. In the wilderness, it was comfortable. Why wouldn't it be? You with me? Why wouldn't it be? I get food every day. I got a roof over my head. I'm sorted. Me and my family, we shop. Every day we can eat what we need to eat. There's no issue. There's water. I want water. And you know what? If I want some meat, if I want that steak the way that I want, I can just chunk a bitchy before the Lord and then the Lord sends quail that month to give you more than enough of the meat that you want to eat. So you're comfortable. You got your home. You settled with your family. You guys are okay. That's not promised land. Because there is no place of comfort when you're conquering. Because there's an enemy where you're going. The Bible says, it says, I'm sending you to a place where they are much greater and much mightier than you. I'm sending you to a place. So even when they came back with reports and said they were giants, they God must told you already. He said, I've been sending you to the place where it is like it is. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a new revelation. Exodus chapter 23. Just deal with the promise quickly before I close. The reason why I'm sharing this word with you, church, is because, like I said to you, we're coming into a season where God is telling us to possess. But it's not the things. You see, if you're thinking of the promised land through your car, your eyes, you're on the wrong bus completely. God, let me tell you something completely. If you're chasing income, when God's dealing with influence, You're chasing after the things, and God is saying, it's not about that. I want to put you in a place of prominence for my kingdom so that you can make decisions that will affect the rest of the world. Not so that you can come in, you know, X5. Let me show you the beam. Jumping in here. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag promises fulfilled. Hashtag coming into my promised land. No, you're not. You see, if the enemy can give you a misconception of what it is, then he can always mislead you and deceive you. So when he takes you through the process, it's to weed out of you the things that are going to bring you into the incorrect understanding of what he wants to do in and through your life. Where you're thinking at the level that you're living at and thinking it's way too small for what God needs to do in this generation. It's way below what God is expecting of you. God's asking you to see mountains. God's asking you to stand on top. God's trying to position you where you can dictate the way things will flow. Where you can dictate the currency, the economy. God's trying to place you in a position where you can influence the world and you're worried about your bank balance at home. We have to change this thing in the season. Please hear me. If you're not in a connect group, get in a connect group. If you're not serving, serve. But don't waste your time. Are you with me? Don't waste your time because you're going to come to the end of it and you're going to wonder why you never flowed the way God wanted you to flow. And it's because you did not adhere to the process that God had you in. Let me tell you something. You know what the blessing it is for my wife and the season that she's in? 
Because people don't realize when we came into the ministry and God started to work with us 13 years ago, I knew after a couple of months, I could see God is calling me into fivefold. I knew it. I had a desire to preach. I told somebody yesterday, I said, if you were to send me to the schools for the rest of my life, I'll be the happiest person in, my, in the world. I knew. So when I'm going through the process, I have a little bit of an understanding and I'm okay with it a little bit more because I know that I must be in this place and serving the way that I'm serving. Are you understanding me? But here's somebody who wins a competition that sits up on the international stage as a pop star, functions for she had people from major industry, Coca-Cola, all those people sitting down wanting to have conversations with them, just wanting to be with them because of who they were. Perform a stage with Asha, uh, Alicia Keys. I don't even know who's half the people. Jesus help me. You know what I'm saying? But major platforms, huge. God takes away everything in an instant and says, you serve in my house. That's all you do. She led the worship team, went out into for change, whatever project, whatever was in her hand to do outside the depth and the scope of her gifting, she had to do. And every year, at the end of the year, she would be challenged to draw, what did I do this year? Because I'm a singer, I'm a performer, I'm, I want to create, I want to da-da-da-da, and da-da-da-da. And every year it would be the same discussion. What is the Lord saying? Did Daddy say, no, you can't move now. If you give me word of what God is saying, then we do what God is saying. But if God don't speak, we don't do nuts. For 13 years. Not six months. Some people are chunking from a wilderness of three months. You haven't even started yet. You haven't even begun yet. Even to the point of last year, I shared this with you before, where we were almost divorced. Where things weren't working, where I was questioning whether I should be in ministry or not. Not knowing what to do. And in the morning that I got up to say, before that the Lord said, you just pray for the house. Don't pray for you. Don't pray for your family. Don't pray for your marriage. Don't pray for nothing else. Set your affection on my temple. That's all God gave me. In the beginning of the past, I started praying. Only for the house. Didn't pray for myself. Nothing. Not my needs. Nicks. I'm praying for the church. Praying for you. Praying for the people. Praying for the destiny. Praying for the families to be restored. Praying for your marriage to be restored. Not my own. The Lord said, you pray for the temple. The one morning I got up and I prayed. And that morning I said, okay, cool, Lord. I'm going to say to my wife today. If this thing ain't, ain't, then it ain't. But we can't carry on like this. It's not, it's not a good thing. And as I walked out, God spoke to her before. And she came and said, the Lord said, this is what it is about. And God restored it in an instant. <laughs> Hear me? Hear me? It was the test before the breakthrough. Because in the same week, we got given a media company. In the same way. Why am I sharing this with you? Because some of you need to understand that when God's got you in the pro process, stay in the process. Stop jumping out of the thing and you're wondering why it's taking so long with your life. It's because you keep getting out. How's a tree ever going to grow if it's planted and you take it out and say, okay, I'm going to move you here today. Yeah, let's see. Noch a bitchy water, noch a bitchy water. I like this preaching today. Then they say something you don't like. Okay, let me rather take you out here and put you here. I like this church. No, the Lord has called me to this church. Jesus said I must be here. Put it in the, you know what I'm saying? 
people make decisions without the word of God guiding them. When people tell me I need to leave, I, you know, if once you've made up your mind, please hold me. I can't convince you. But if somebody comes and says, I don't know what to do, I say, what did the word say? What did God say to you? Give me a word, bring me a scripture that you believe God is speaking to you. And if God says, then we come into agreement over the word. Because who am I to argue with him? But if you don't have a word, you go nowhere. If you don't have a word, you get up and you smile and you serve another day. If you don't have a word, you do the last thing that he told you to do with the best of your ability. Why? God's weeding that thing on the inside of you. He's taking it out. Every plant that my father has not planted, I will uproot. We've got to mature as a people because only sons inherit. Hear me, there's a scripture in Galatians chapter 4. I'm coming back to Exodus chapter 20. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 to 2 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though he is master of all, but he's under guardians and students until the time appointed by the father. Even though it's your birthright to walk in the promise, if you refuse to grow up, God can't give it to you. Exodus chapter 23. Final scripture. I can see Warren's about to put up his hand. Exodus chapter 23, verse 20. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture. It says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if indeed you obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the, um, in, you into the Amorites and the Hittites and all those people, and I will cut them off. And you shall, bow down, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. God's saying, I'm sending you into a territory, and when you're going to go in there, there's going to be an enemy there before you. And yes, they're stronger and mightier than you, but I am with you, and when you go into that place, you're going to overthrow them, and you're going to overpower them, and you're going to overtake them. Listen. He says, you shall not, da, 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 then you go 25. He says, you shall not serve, you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and I will take your sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I'll fulfill the number of your days. Say amen, that's us. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you came and I'll make your enemies turn their backs to you and I will send the hornets before you which shall drive out all of those people. Verse 29 says, I will not drive them, listen, out before you in one year. Lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. He says, until you become the son. You see, we come in and we think we're going to get saved and God's going to do everything in a day. You won't be able to handle what God wants to put in your hand. The place of process in the, prom, in the wilderness is to do what? Is to develop your capacity as a son. So that when you go into the place, you can possess and manage and steward the place. So that the land won't devour you. You see, you want to go and take over the, the, the arts and entertainment. Or you want to go into government, but you had no process. You want to take over education, but you got no process. And you want to go in there. They will overpower you. If God had to take them, the Bible says he gives the work of, of collecting the wealth and managing the wealth to the sinner. So that when we come, we can possess it. The wealth of the sinner is there for the just. No, for sons. 
If you're not mature, He cannot put it into your hand. You're worried about what's happening in the media industry. You're worried about how people are controlling what's coming to your children. God can't move them away because there isn't somebody to put in their place. Because the church is refusing to grow up. Because when you come into the place of promise, it's not about the things. It's not. It's about the territory. That's why he says, wherever the soles of your feet will today, that have I given unto you. It wasn't just where you just. No, he says, according to the place I've assigned to you. When you go into the land of Canaan, not anywhere else, if you go read in your Bible, when they walk through the wilderness, they walk through Edom, and God says, you don't touch anything in this place. You don't even drink of their water without their permission. Because I've given this to who? To them, not to you. So you can't be walking in government and you're supposed to be in education. And say, wherever the soles of my feet will tread. They'll give you a hiding. Because it's not assigned to you. So when God gives you the house, hear me, it's to reveal the giftings. Listen to me. When he made the tabernacle, it says he anointed people to build the tabernacle. If you must go and read how they built the tabernacle. The, 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 how do I explain this now? The excellence, not even the excellence, man. The detail. This thing must be this long, made like this. This thing must be round. This thing must be covered with gold. This thing must be made of acacia wood. This thing must be purple. This thing. They had no, yeah, these are slaves. How are they going to be carpenters? All they did was make bricks and build stuff. That it. They had no skill. God says, I'm going to anoint these people and gives them divine wisdom. Activate something on the inside of them because why they engage with the house. You will find the field that God has got for you when you engage with the house and fully commit to what God wants to do in and through your life. So when you're coming into your place of promise and you're dealing with the promised land, take your eyes off the things and focus on the influence. What is it that I must put my feet in, Lord? You see, now when we're walking in places and we're going to go meet people around, around the media, the arts and entertainment, because it was assigned in 2018, Apostle was on the stage with it. He says, I'm taking the keys of arts and entertainment and media and I'm putting it into your hand. It's a sign. Joshua assigns your portion to you. So reject your Joshua, reject your portion. Mm. Reject your Joshua, reject your portion. God's not going to violate his principle and his order because you don't like it. He will never. That's why when they touched the Ark of the Covenant, even though they, were, they had good intentions to bring the presence of God back for David, they still died. Why? Because he violated the order. Even though God wanted it there, you can't violate the way God sets it out. Are you understanding me? It gets assigned to her to say, this is your portion. She can't go walk somewhere else. Only when she walks in arts, entertainment, and media, she walks possessing the land. And wherever the souls of my feet will tread. Now when we go into meetings under my breath, I'm like, wherever the souls of my feet shall tread, that has God given to me. Enemy, you must bow. God is Lord over this promise and not you. So I don't care who's standing in my way. I don't care who's trying to stop me from coming in here. But as I'm putting my feet here, this is my place because it's my portion. Are you with me? It's a dominion spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 19, it says the whole creation is earnestly working with earnest expectation for the sons of God to be made manifest. You know, it was, was Eden's birthday. I'm going to close with this. Warren, it's okay. 
it was Ellen's birthday, now in August then. They had to do some stuff in a different location. I'm like, okay, do this thing. And I was so upset on the day. I'm like, yo, I don't have cash. You know, nagging, murmuring, and complaining. Maybe I should have stayed in Egypt. The devil is a liar. So, yeah, don't judge me. <laughs> we all go through these things. And I say, Lord, I'm like, Lord, what's up with this? I don't know this. The Lord said, why are you looking up? I said, what do you mean? He says, why are you looking up? Manna falls from the sky. But you know more in the wilderness. So the earth must give to you. So stop looking up. You see, when, when, when we heard the word, it's harvest time. Many people thought there's going to be an abundance of manna. <laughs> but there ain't no manna in the promise. It says the day they ate of the produce of the land, the manna ceased. And if you don't realize that it's a huge transition to make, you can be challenged in the season and think that God has forgotten about you. Hear me. Because I calculated it. It's approximately 14,000 or 15,000 meals that God provided per person over 40 years. Every day. And in one day, God says, no more. Now you take what I placed on you and you go into the field I have assigned to you. And when you work the field, it will yield to you. That you don't need to only come out once. You can come get contracts every day, multiple times a day. So when it came to my birthday, I said, Daddy, all I want is a contract for DMP. I said, I don't want other gifts. Don't throw something from heaven. But give me a contract to possess the territory. Because when I can get a contract, it's not only going to affect me, but everybody else attached to me. That people can come in and get jobs. People can be employed. Our people can be trained, can be developed, can be established. Why? That's influence. Not income. I don't pray for income anymore. God, teach me to see it. And hear me, I'm not there. I'm not 100% there. This is what I'm praying through in the season. Because I need God to change my perspective. Because you can be so long in the wilderness that when it comes to transitioning into promise, you can still be stuck in an old way of doing things. And completely miss what God is doing in this moment. That's why when Apostle Paul shared that word last week about sons called to build, it was, that thing just resonated with me. Because sons build a house. Sons build. Sons take over territories. Sons can go into places and say, I walk in here under the Lordship of Jesus Christ as a child of the Most High God. And God has developed me, He's processed me, that when I'm coming in here, it's not for me, but I want the territory assigned to me. And whoever's there, must, hear me, give it up. They have no right to be in that place when you're walking in your sonship. And locked up in your inheritance is everything that you could ever want. But our focus has to change in the season. We have to deal with us in the season and say, where in my life right now? Let's stand. We have to deal with us and we have to be honest with ourselves. You have to locate yourself today. That's what I trust this word has done for you. Where are you positioned? 
If you're born again and saved, where are you positioned now? As a church with transition, are you still behind? Have you refused what's to come because of your refusal to grow? Have you lacked in your commitment? You see, the best way to see where you're positioned is to look at your relationship with the house of God. Find out where the house is to you, then I can tell you where you're positioned. Find out where, does it, does it still, you know, when you came in the first time and you got saved and I'm going to do this thing for you, pastor. Remember? <laughs> I'm going to do this thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're with you and where are you now? How important is the house to you now? Is it still a priority to you? I know this is tough to accept, but the reality is if we don't deal with it, we don't go in. Is this not why we're here? Is this not why, why God has called us? Your purpose and your destiny is locked up in your inheritance and you're only going to get it through sonship. You're not going to get it any other way. Hear me. There was a preacher that said, he said, he asked God, how's my relationship with you? He says, how's your relationship with your wife? Then it will tell you how your relationship with me is. He gave him an earthly reference for a spiritual truth. How's your relationship with this house if you're called to be in this house? Are you still affectionate the same way you were when you came in? Are you still for your spiritual father the same way you were when you came in? You see, people are quick to come into the house and I've been here for 13 years, so I know. And say, you my father. My spiritual father, we call him dad. I'm like, do you know what comes with that word? Do you know? Do you know what comes with that word? Because that thing is going to be challenged to you to the core. We have to repent of what we have to repent of today. Hear me? Of making it about the wrong stuff. And not about what God is saying. Is God gave us a pattern to possess the promise. It's in the word of God. Everything that I shared with you is in the word. I've been studying this thing now for weeks. For what? I'm saying, Daddy, fix me. Let me see it the way that I must see this thing. Let me not miss out on what you have assigned to me and to this house. Let me not miss out what we're supposed to be walking in this season for your kingdom to advance. Let me not miss out on what you're doing. Let me not go through a process and remain in the wilderness. You see, because if you come to that place, like in Numbers chapter 13, and you don't want to be ready for what's coming, God will say, I need to take you back into the wilderness because you're not ready.